Hey there, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and I am so glad to be here with you today. You will be hearing more from me over the next five months as Reverend Sean, our usual host, takes a sabbatical. I know that Sean treasures this podcast and he is really going to miss this time with you. And I also feel really lucky that I get to spend more time with you between now and October. We're wishing Sean rest, renewal, and all good things during this sabbatical time. I also know Reverend Gretchen is looking forward to hosting some of these episodes during that period. And given this transition, it feels very appropriate that today we will be hearing from Sean from his last sermon before he left for sabbatical. And I'm really excited to share this message with you because it gets at the heart of a great mystery for many of us. It gets at why this podcast even exists or why I'm here talking to you right now, which is a great privilege, by the way. This sermon answers the question, why church? And if in this moment you're thinking, ah, shoot, I'm really not here to be convinced of anything about church or church going. I really just wanted a little sustenance or a little inspiration. I didn't want a guilt trip. No worries at all. Just hang in there with me. So, you know, when I heard this sermon on Sunday, it reminded me of a time in my life when I was wondering, why church? I was in my mid-20s, and I had just found this amazing Unitarian Universalist congregation in Minnesota, where I had recently moved and where I hardly knew a soul. I love these services. I usually sat by myself and just let them wash over me. The readings, the music, the sermons. It was like they knew just what I needed to hear and just where I needed to be challenged. So... Slowly, I joined a small reflection group with other women my age. I started volunteering with a group supporting local refugees. And I found myself driving all over the metro area to attend awkward young adult game nights, which usually ended up being a lot of fun. But all of this, it also took discipline on my part. It took effort to drive to the other side of town every Sunday to do this thing that no one my age and no one I knew was really doing in this community of people who all seem to know each other and to have their place and their people already, I had to generate my own momentum each Sunday. And all of that was competing with other ways to spend a Sunday morning after a long, stressful week. Resting and relaxing, breakfast with a friend, time in nature. And in that big, well-established community, I was pretty sure that my tiny presence did not have an impact on much of anything. So after a prolonged absence, I showed up one Sunday, and I walk out into the social hall after the service, trying to look like that blend of busy and occupied, yet totally available for conversation. And the minister spots me from across the social hall. She walks up to me and says, Elaine, we've missed you. We haven't seen you in a while. And in that moment, I feel both wonderfully seen and very flattered that she actually knew my name. And I also felt totally busted, <laughs> like she had noticed that I had been gone. And maybe that meant I was in trouble or just a little trouble. 
So I immediately launched into a litany of good reasons for my absence, all these justifications. And this minister just made it very clear that it really did not matter at all why I hadn't been there. I didn't have to justify my absences. I was not going to get docked any church points, which, of course, is not even a thing. She was just glad I was there. And then someone else walked up to say hello to her. And so this minister introduces me by saying, this is Elaine, one of our luminous young adults. Luminous? Who says that to describe someone? I felt so treasured, and I had not been expecting that at all. I hadn't even really expected anyone to notice I was there. I had arrived feeling like I was kind of in the doghouse for having not attended recently, and, or kind of even worse, feeling like no one had really notices me there at all. And I ended up feeling loved and seen without any strings attached. What a gift to give. And you know, I have to say, it was that exchange that really deepened my sense of belonging in a new way to that community, which eventually led me to seminary and into ministry and now into this conversation with you today. So thank you, Jan Eller Isaacs, minister at Unity Church Unitarian in St. Paul. What gifts we can give to each other in such simple ways. Like those words, I've missed you. And when someone approaches us in their vulnerability, approaches us from the margins, wondering if it's okay for them to be there, or wondering if anyone had noticed their absence, how sweet to reach out and say, I'm so glad you're here, and to let them know that we see their light. We see that they are luminous. Let's bring Reverend Sean into this dialogue, and we will be joining him on a Saturday night at a gay bar during his college years. There are many decisions one must make when out at a gay bar on a Saturday night in college. Across the dance floor, bodies in various degrees of coordination and inebriation are illuminated with the flashes of lights as a DJ remixes a song you love into a song you just like. I mean, should I get another drink? I dislike this song. Should I go outside for some air? How much do I want to smell like sweat tomorrow morning? How much do I want to remember tonight? Are they flirting with me? Uh, oh, they're flirting with me. How, how do I escape? Now, some decisions open doors to future decisions, a cascade of possibilities or consequences piling atop like bodies on a dance floor, the outcome of which is usually dependent on the meeting of sober personalities in the hours or days to come. For me, these Saturday nights came with one perennial decision. At what hour of the night, or if I'm honest, early morning, would I leave my friends, sometimes boyfriends, to head back home? Not having another. So that when the morning came, or rather when the alarm sounded that I could get ready, jump on the bus, and be the right level of presentable at church the next morning. Usually I would head out alone, which I didn't really mind, really. It wasn't a choice I regretted making, even if I begrudged being part of a community that only seemed to begin having a good time after midnight. Most of my friends got used to my early departures. Even as the quizzical expressions remained, they didn't get it. 
which made sense to me because sometimes I didn't get it either. Get what was so compelling to me that would pull me away from the youthful virility and freedom of the gay bar, a place that often formed the home base away from often hateful messages of organized religion to ride the bus one hour each way to the Unitarian Church in the Burbs. It definitely wasn't the classical music, beautiful for sure, but not compelling enough. It wasn't the coffee hour conversation, was never exactly sure what to say or what to do with my hands. It wasn't the sermons, which were hit and miss. I mean, no shade. If you bat higher than that, you're doing really well in my books. What was so compelling? To pull me away. To build a habit sub against the flow of my generation's general ambivalence towards religion. And especially to attend a decidedly not hip, sort of stodgy boomer congregation with no band or pastor in skinny jeans where the average person was legitimately 50 years my senior. Essentially, the question is, why church? Well, my answer to this perennial question has always been because church. There's no one answer. The answers are like stars that spiral, forming new constellation in new seasons of life, helping to navigate one to the next destination in life's journey. Why church? Because church. It's the casserole reflex. That when the church ladies hear the news of diagnoses, of accidents, of looming crisis, or any one of the many body blows of life, that somehow, before even processing it fully, the casserole dish is already in the oven, a meal ready to be delivered, an instinct to care just baked in. Why? Because church. The same reflex that taught me that when certain events happen, you don't call, you go. You show up. That when tragedy strikes, when all might seem lost, you don't call, you go. You show up awkwardly, sure, uncomfortably sometimes. I've witnessed friendships formed in our social hall, sparked in classes and coffee hour that have been life-saving, and I am not exaggerating. Because someone decided that you were worth showing up for, even when it gets hard. It might have started over a stupid icebreaker question, someone risking introducing themselves, another person stumbling over their words, and another offering a forgiving smile. It's a caring listener hearing about the fall, the upcoming surgery, the divorce, and reaching out, and even when their offers of support went unanswered, it still conveyed a cardinal truth that you are not alone. You may think it, you may feel it, but it's not the truth. Take this text, this casserole, this voicemail as evidence of such, that it's not the end of the story. Why? Because church. In his contribution to the book Testimony, Unitarian Universalist minister Reverend Manish Mishra Marzetti wrote, that the, wrote about the literal life-changing experience of a hug. He had long come to terms with being gay, but after attending a friend's gorgeous Indian wedding, Manish broke down in the car ride home, his partner perplexed, trying to understand what was going on. It was just so beautiful, he wrote. 
All the family and friends, the religious community that had turned up to celebrate her marriage, I just don't know. Where would we ever get married? Who would come? Who would officiate? And not just a wedding, but what about when we die? Would any community show up for us? Would any community be there? The wedding had brought alive within him a stark and painful reality. That his spiritual but not religious path had ended up a loner path, a path devoid of spiritual community. Yes, he had a community of friends, but what he had seen and experienced that evening was different. It was a community of like-valued, like-minded individuals, grounded in ancient traditions, rituals, and symbols coming together to honor and to celebrate one of their own. It was this realization that led him to a Unitarian Universalist church. Hopefully, he thought, this was a place where his queer and Hindu roots would be affirmed. When he wrote about this experience, he described it as such, and maybe you'll find this familiar. As the service moved towards its conclusion, I remember clearly thinking, well, the content's okay, but this was probably a mistake. I'm sure they don't really want us here. I resolved that as soon as the service ended, my partner and I would immediately head out the back door. No need to prolong this nerve-wracking experience. The service ended, I grabbed my partner's hand, and out we headed down the church's central aisle towards the back doors until, that is, one of the grannies in a row behind us shoved her walker into the aisle, blocking my way. She got out, looked at me, reached out over her walker and embraced me in a hug, whispering in my ear, I am so glad you're here in our community. Welcome. It was all I could do not to burst into tears right then and there, and still decades later, I weep at remembering how welcome and how loved she made me feel. To me, it was radical hospitality embodied. Every fear I had about elders not accepting gays and lesbians vanished. It was as if my own grandmother were hugging me and welcoming me home. Why? Because church. Because we are humans. We need to belong. Need to be reminded of our belonging in the great web of life of which we are a beloved part. The depth of that belonging cannot truly be embodied with a shallow embrace. An embrace of parts of ourselves to the exclusion of others. An embrace that aims to change or cure, but a full embrace that conveys the truth that if universal salvation is true for all of us, that it's true for all parts of us too. That all the parts of you the questioning parts, the doubting parts, the wondering parts, the cynical parts are not only welcome, but necessary here. All the questions and existential angst I had as a kid that were funneled into all manner of enterprises to try to make sense of life were welcomed. That there was enough space in the embrace for it. But the depth of this embrace well, it extends further. It's a temporal embrace, an embrace with one arm ancestral and the other futuristic converging together, weaving you within a fabric of belonging that puts you in a history, a belongingness of past and future, of our belonging 
for our belonging is as ancestral as it is futuristic. When Manish was embraced in that moment, it wasn't simply one woman in one moment. It was the embrace of an in, the entire ancestry of Unitarian Universalists. Every church member and fellow traveler, every person who committed to every justice endeavor, every member of the building and grounds crew of that church, every youth who grew up, moved away, and came back or didn't, every past misdeed and every future foray. A complex embrace holding as much pain as potential, a belonging that grounds and orients us into time itself, a belonging that says you were a part of this unfolding story, the end of which has not been written, but we relish the thought of you as one of us, and here we will face it, not alone or unarmed. For we have stories and practices, rituals and tools and ideas and baggage. You don't have to strike out on your own. You don't need to make it up all by yourself and look around. You don't have to do it alone either. The embrace I received as a lonely teenage Buddhist attending his first UU worship service, a pride service nonetheless, that I felt overcome with the sense of I have a people now. Why? Because church. In a society that tells me I have to be self-made, I relish the message of a church that tells me that I exist because we are. For if the choice were independence or interdependence, there is no question I would choose the gnarly path if we can go together. And it is gnarlier. Churches are human, beautifully broken. Conflict emerges, perspectives differ, be it about the music or the minister or even that new coat of paint. People leave, leave the faith, leave the church to attend another, and new people arrive, and that's okay. It can be a painful moment, a tear-filled moment, when you look around and don't recognize anyone anymore and wonder if that must mean that you don't belong here either. It will be true that the church you join will not be the same church you leave, be it from heartbreak or death or simply moving away for a season or for the rest of your life, for it was changed by your very presence and the very presence of every other person who passes through, and that's the beauty too. The choice between stagnant or growing, evolving or dying. Well, static truth stagnates, and the same is true for churches. It's the beauty of seeing the child dedicated in the arms of their family one moment, the next striking out, testing their capabilities of their body, clambering up chairs during the service, distracting people from the words, but reminding us of our true purpose. It's the growing we do as we navigate the challenges of a mission that calls us to the brink of all that we love and know and invites us, nay, commands us to step out in faith, to commit to be changed, to covenant, to promise to a journey which we cannot know what intimacy or vulnerability will be asked of us as we embark. For we wouldn't have said yes, but looking back, we can't help but thank God we did. There is so much that changes in the life of the church. The music stylings of generations come and go, the languages and words of reverence shift, but even as it's evolving around its sights and sounds, it revolves always around its core, which is the determination of love to break forth. For as the Unitarian Theodore Parker preached back in the 19th century, 
Religious forms may be useful and beautiful. They are so whenever they speak to the soul and answer a want thereof. In our present state, some forms are perhaps necessary, but they are only the accident of the church, not its substance. They are the robe, not the angel, who may take on another robe quite as becoming and useful. Why? Because church. It's the 85-year-olds who, when the pandemic hit, became Zoom experts overnight and taught others. Casting off the robe of a physical sanctuary for a digital cathedral, knowing that church was never a place but a people. It's the Zoom chat on Sundays filling up with prayer, heartfelt messages, launched not into a void like rockets into space, but as offerings of compassion gently drifting into the heart center of a community that still breathes, still conspires, found between and beyond the ones and zeros that constitute the gathered place, even as it confounds those binaries. Because even though each and every church I have attended has been far from perfect, and I confess that there have been times in each of them that I haven't even liked them very much, which led me to sometimes drifting in mind or body, I testify that every time I showed up, I surprised myself over and over that I could find love in broken people and in hopeless places. That even as certain people grated on me, my push to act was tempered, their perspectives at odds with mind, like sandpaper, they wore down my rough places, granting me a venue to practice much-needed patience, compassion, forgiveness, and humility, giving me the chance to practice being human because, well, it takes practice to human these days, or, well, any days. Why? Because church. Because in church I found teams of people striking out to feed and house our neighbors, to dismantle the prisons of supremacy that live within, to seek to make belovedness real, to make real a commitment to our blue boat home. Why? Because church. This last week, we wrapped up Despair Club, this gathering of despair warriors who embarked on a three-week mission to learn from and lessen the negative effects of despair within our lives. We gathered for our last session, and after reflecting at smaller groups about the experience, we returned to the big group on Zoom. I shared a Google Doc and invited everyone to type their reflections and insights hard won in the trenches. The blank Google Doc came alive with cursors. Hesitantly and boldly, typing their insights about despair and the practices that loosened its grip upon their lives. And as it was happening, I had this profound realization, maybe even a revelation, that church is a Google Doc of life. A canvas ready for dozens of editors, all adding their pieces of the truths to a larger mosaic of understanding. Bring your life, it beckons. Together we will put it through the fires of contemplation and the companionship of community and add it to our ever-growing, ever-evolving articulation of these questions of living. For each of us, with insights that were forged not in isolation but in community, offered with typo typos, awkward formatting, and even with contradictions. When one person's experience of life butts up against another, creatively, beautifully, pluralistically creating a tension that tells us about a truth of life itself. Offered each of these, the harvest of our life, offered up for the sustenance of others without expectation. Why, church? We all have our own answers 
to this question. Some tepid, tentative, others deepening and fully embracing. No answer the same for all time other than the commitment to keep on showing up. Showing up for each other. Showing up for this community. Showing up for the mission that calls us forth, risking always being changed by it. Sanded down, equipped and sent, loved into belongedness, heartbroken and yet still faithful. It's this very human dance that pulled me away from the dance floor those evenings to see the gyrations of souls trying together to practice being, dwelling together in peace, seeking the truth in love, and endeavoring to help one another. Amen, and blessed be. Thank you, Sean, for that beautiful message. I really love the image of the woman blocking the aisle with her walker so that she could offer a hug and whisper, I'm so glad you're here in our community. Welcome. It's so good. All so good. And as we're letting ourselves roll over in our minds, whatever images or concepts touched us in the sermon or reminded us of who we truly are or who we long to be or what we long to be a part of, I invite you now to take a moment and find yourself, locate yourself fully in this moment, exactly wherever you are, exactly as you are. Maybe take a breath and take a moment of gratitude. Maybe it's gratitude for the breath in your lungs right now or your heart beating just that you made it to today or gratitude for some single glorious thing out in the world, for the crab trees filled with white and pink blossoms that are so delicate yet so sturdy in the wind, or for tree branches decorated with yellow-green baby leaves after months of being smooth and bare. And bring that gratitude to the interpersonal web that you happen to uniquely be a part of. Who has shown up for you? Who has loved you into belonging, even in the smallest way? Who trusted you and let you in, giving you a chance to show up for them? Who caught your eye and smiled? Whatever it is, just notice where those jewels of gratitude are glimmering in the web of your life and let that gratitude well up in whatever form or shape or intensity or abundance or trickle in which it's appearing to you. It doesn't have to be some kind of manufactured saccharine gratitude, but just gratefulness for the very real gems of beauty and connection that are sitting right alongside all the hard stuff, which is always there too. In the words of Pablo Neruda, you can cut down all the flowers, but you cannot stop the spring from coming. We are in spring, and new life comes, new hope comes, new beauty comes. And also, even in the midst of undeniable unfurling and blossoming that is spring, we are all living within the full spectrum of life's experiences, living within the broken and beautiful all together. Hope, grief, joy, anxiety, fear, and love. Moving through our days, we hold it all. 
May we take a cue from the changing of the seasons right now and remember that nothing lasts forever. The bitter cold of winter does not last forever. The harsh gusts of wind do not last forever. Whatever burdens we are holding right now cannot continue on exactly like this forever. You can cut down all the flowers, but you can't stop the spring from coming. May we trust that a gentleness, a sturdiness, a joyfulness, a sense of deep togetherness will find us around the bend again and again and again. Ah, that place of gratitude and connection is so powerful in the way that it helps us remember that deepest kind of belonging and remember our call to love people into belonging with abandon always expanding the circle of love because we know that no one is outside that circle of belonging and worthiness and everyone's humanity must be protected and honored and this is really the heart of who we are as a community and as unitarian universalists and i know that many of our hearts are hurting right now as we brace for the Supreme Court to knock down Roe versus Wade, and with it, legal abortion in all 50 states. And especially for Black, Indigenous, and people of color, communities, and people with lower incomes, this decision will have major life-changing and life-ending consequences. It's a, this is incredibly painful for all those who fought long and hard to see abortions made legal only to see it overturned, and for providers working in states where abortions will soon be illegal, this is devastating news. They know all too well how many people they will now not be able to help. So however you are feeling, take a moment just to acknowledge those feelings. Light a candle for all the activists and caregivers and providers who have fought for the right to choose. Make space for the grief of those who are now at even greater risk for this decision. Make space for your story, the stories of people you know and love. Know that your faith community is with you. We are with you. Foothills is with you, lighting candles and making space. And then in the coming days, find a place in the larger response to things. And this might start by grounding yourself in the values and vision that we are called to serve. The emerging organizing collective Sacred has put together an amazing online resource to help in this grounding work. We will link to it in our show notes. And in those notes, we'll also link to some resources for further education. Local, local to Colorado organizations on the front lines that need our support and organizations that can invite you into other strategies, including legislative advocacy, organizing to get people from states without abortion access into states with access, creating access to emergency contraception, and providing support for self-induced abortions. There are lots of ways to plug in. So many ways to love each other and support each other and fight for each other fiercely and fully amplifying everyone's dignity, freedom, and beautiful, complex humanity. So friends, let's keep on showing up 
showing up for each other, for our community, and for that call of courageous love that claims our heart and calls us forth. And when we hear that call, let us risk being changed by it. Let us risk transformation. Oh, thank you so much for making time to join us for this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. It's been so great to be with you. If you have a moment, it would mean so much to us if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people discover the show when they're typing in keywords to Google and trying to find just the right something that might touch their lives in a meaningful way. And if there's anyone in your life who you think would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, please do send them a link. Spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you joined us. Love.